This this uh, parish is also dedicated by uh, the Leitman family, or in honor of the Leitman family. Uh, I think I mentioned last week that uh, Mr. Leitman, always tried to help out the yeshiva and tried to help out uh, Bruria, his daughter, Beth, uh, was one of my first students, and we've maintained a connection a healthy connection, I think, until today. So I'm happy that uh, I have this opportunity to mention uh, the fact that they have uh, dedicated this year. Okay, look, Yitro uh, is a problem. Yitro is a problem, like, he gets a lot of, he gets prominence, right? The parasha of Matan Torah is called Yitro. And uh, that is enough to be annoying, I think. After all, we have all heard of Moshe Rabbeinu. And he certainly deserved the parasha. Not, not only that, even if you tell me, well, the parashas are not named in a significant way, it just happens to be the first word in the par- in the first word in the first pasuk of the sh- of the of the parasha that's significant so the first word that comes we call it like brashit barlake we call the parasha brashit sailet allah's noah we call it noah but you know if you look at the first pasuk it's right here by shmayit roko hein bidyan khotein moshe so you see the word the, the word yitro is the second word in the pasuk right and the word Moshe is the sixth word of the book, the seventh word in the Pasuk, right? So if you were like really interested, like a Hasidish word, you could have moved the words around so that it would be Vayishma Khotein Moshe. I'm sorry, Vayishma Moshe. Or Moshe. So you would be able to you'd be able to jiggle it around a little bit so that you'd call the parsha of Matan Torah you'd call it Moshe, which seems to me to be a, a reasonable thing. So that's that's a question that you could ask. Why did Yitro get such prominence? Now it's true that the pasuk says Vaishma Yitro and Rashi says. What was it that Yitro heard? These are the things he heard. So now we know, we know that Kriyat Yamsuf, and then also Kriyat Yamsuf, Vayaminu Bashebo Vomosha Abdo, right? Kriyat Yamsuf, Milchemet Amalek, Vyadav Emunah, it says in the Pasuk. In other words, these are the two central a- a- actions that took place that caused emuna, that produced emuna, and so vayishma yitro It means that he understood something. He didn't just hear about about the frogs, or about the lice, or even about wild animals running around. He heard about Kriyat Yamsuf Milchemet Amalek. He heard, meaning he understood. Just as B'nai Yisrael understood that these were miracles that had to do with Emunah, 
emuna that only God could take care of this problem, that somehow we understood that God was the creator of the universe and as such had dominion in that universe. And that was the point, of, as the Ramban says at the end of the parasha of Bo, that was the point of Yitziat Mitzrayim as far as the Jews were concerned. The point was to instill in them proper faith, proper faith, the things that they had to have faith in in order to be able to say, I have faith in God and I can take the Torah. That's what the issue was. That was the issue was for the people. So the first pasuk, according to Rashi says, Yitro, he was special. He got it. The Egyptians, they didn't get it, right? They kept chasing after the Jews. They wanted to kill it. It didn't matter. It didn't matter to them what had happened, even after Makat Bechorot. But Yitro, he got it. He said, Kriyat Yam Milchemet That means something. That means something. Then the word Yitro in Rashi. You remember this Rashi? Sheva Shemot Nikru'ulo and then Rashi goes on to explain Yeter, which means excess, more than Al Shem He added a parsha in the Torah. He added a parsha in the Torah, and then uh, That's how the parsha starts. Yitro. Right? I could go through this whole Rashi, but it's not necessary because what Rashi is saying is that Yitro was had many faces. He was many people, and that's why he had different names. That's why I to, to remind us of the fact that Yitro was a very complex personality. He was uh, some, he had some involvement with the Torah, which is remarkable, and he was uh, he was a convert to Judaism, etc. Et, et the pastor goes on and says, "Kol Asher Asa Elokim LeMoshe LiYisrael Amo." Again, if you understand it properly, it's an indication of creation, that God created the world. Right? And because he created the world, he was able to get us out of Mitzrayim. Again, we say we, we spoke about it, but we said, right? Mitzrayim. I'm sorry, we make Kiddush. Friday night, we say Zechel Yitziat Mitzrayim. What does Friday night have to do with Yitziat Mitzrayim? What does what does uh, Friday night have to do with uh, announcing that God took us out of Mitzrayim? He says, well, because we want to say Zechel Bereshit. That's what we really want to say on Shabbos. That's what Shabbos is. It's the memory of Bereshit. The memory of Bereshit, Shabbos. But we don't have a memory of Breshit. Like we weren't there. We weren't around when God created the world. But in Yitziat Mitzrayim, God indicated to us 
that he had dominion in the world. And that kind of dominion could only come through creation. That's the way, that's the way it is understood. So, so that when we say that Yitro understood, what he understood was that there was only one God and that one God created the world and that the creation of the world implied dominion in some way over that world. We understand there's a machloket or there are different opinions about hashkacha, about hashkacha pratit. So we don't have to decide what hashkacha pratit is, but we know that there is some sort of hashkacha pratit that goes out all the time. And we don't know what it actually, how, what form it takes, but we know that at least theoretically, theoretically God can do as God wills with the world. There are no limits. There are no limits. I mean, even though, right, the, the parish of Noah, in the parish of Noah, God destroyed the world, right? And he, he set it back, he set the world back to, uh, to Tohu Vavohu. To Tovavo, because when before the world was actually formed or created, it says Ruach Elokim right? There's a kind of water. Tovavo is something formless. Formless means is like underwater. Everything underwater is Tovavo. So God could obviously destroy the world, set it back to Tovavo. Right, set it back to Tovavo. Even though there's a there is sort of a an agreement, let's say, an agreement between Akadosh Bochu and uh, and the world and Noah that 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 kind of destruction will not take place. Nevertheless, nevertheless, it could happen. I mean, that's what Noah teaches us. It could happen. We don't know what the rules are, what the guidelines are. No, not you. <laughs> not you, her. <laughs> you can sit on the other side. Do you mind? If you want. So it's, it's, uh, they're not cheaper seats. Thank you. Okay, so that's all of the first pasuk. All, all of that, that pasuk bet. So there's, there's Yitro. He decides because he is a, a great intellectual and he understood everything that happened and he was following the history of B'nai Yisrael as they left Mitzrayim. So he decided to join up, but more interestingly, perhaps, he decided to bring Tzipporah and Moshe Rabbeinu's children with him. Now, we don't have the reason for that. I mean, you know, all parents like to see their children from time to time. Uh, could, it be, could it be that he understood that there was a kind of an aspect of an am, a nation, a community, that was being formulated and that Kabbalat Torah would be a family affair. It was certainly, the, the, the Torah itself says men and women. 
right? Men and women as a experientially were part of Matan Torah. Maybe the children were as well, but the children are not mentioned specifically, but they were there. The children, and so whatever they could understand, they could understand, they wouldn't be left out. But in any event, that's what, that's what, uh, that's what he says. Pasuk hey, Pasuk hey. Again, Chotein Moshe. Right, he's called Chotein Moshe. The first time he's called Chotein Moshe, okay. It could be to remind us that he was the father-in-law. But now he's called, now he's called Chotein Moshe. That's not the, we, we already were reminded. So why does the Torah tell us again that he was Chotein Moshe? He said that he, he felt a closeness. He felt like the Maharal would, would try to explain what the relationship between Yitro and, and, uh, and, uh, and Moshe was. There was a relationship. He was not only Chotein Moshe formally, some of you may have experienced that in their own lives, not only a formal in-law, but it was a, a real connection. Connection between Yitro and 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 Moshe Rabbeinu. Vayome el Moshe. So after this, I had a long introduction about what Yitro is doing, why he's there, who he came with, what his status is, and who who the the woman and children he brought with him are. Vayome el Moshe ani chotencha Yitro bo alecha third time. Chotencha Yitro. You don't imagine. I mean, it's like that. Probably not too common today that uh, somebody's father-in-law introduces himself as "I'm the father-in-law." I mean, maybe to a third party, but not to the well. I, maybe I'm not with it. There is something slipping by me, you know. I'm not noticing. You know, he wants to say something. He says, you know, don't think that this was an accident, that they had nowhere to go, that they followed me out of the house, that they, that they hitched a ride on my caravan. No, no, I came with them. I understand something, Yitro. So something I understand. I understand that they're necessary. I understand that they're necessary. Uh, I mean, uh, what exactly he meant, I'm not sure. But certainly you have to admit that there's an emphasis here on the fact that he brought his, uh, Moshe's wife and children. Vayitzei Moshe lekrat chotno, fifth time, fourth time. Vayishtachu, vayishaklo, vayishalu, ish l'viel l'shalom, Now we don't get it. You know, shalom is like a, a 50 millimeter word. It's like more than a word. It has, it has a lot of meaning. It has a lot of meaning. It's the name of God. It's, it's part of this notion of eschatology, that things can work out, that it can be as it should be. So here you have a non-Jew, or a person who decided to, to convert, right? That's uh, Yitro. And he is offering shalom. He's offering shalom to Moshe Rabbeinu, which means, 
Right? You know there's a machlokes in the Gemara about whether Yitro came before Matan Torah or came after Matan Torah. But the simple way of looking at it is that he came before Matan Torah. So that's the way it's told in the, in the Chumash. I mean, of course, anything can mean anything, but let's assume that Yitro came before Matan Torah, right? In, the, in our reading of the, of the Chumash. Moshe honoring Yitro. Right? Moshe saw that Yitro had something. There was something to him that that was special. Vayishak lo is, uh, uh, is, is, it could be a sign of profound appreciation. It could also be, as we saw with Lavan and Betzuel, you know, the shikot are false. They don't represent a true feeling. But in this case, it would seem that, they, that it does. Vayishalu ishlereel shalom vayavoha oala what does Vayavoa Oala mean? Well, uh, we know that an oil is a special place. Uh, an oil is a special place. Sarah had an ohel. The Avot had ohalim. An oil is a place in which where, where you can be yourself. You don't have to, you're not on guard. You're not fighting off the enemy, right? It's your space. So when Moshe Rabbeinu takes his father-in-law into his tent, I mean, it's not so much a question of doing it. Anybody can do it. You can say, oh yeah, come on in, come into my house. I mean, that doesn't mean anything. But if the Torah writes, then what the Torah meant is that Moshe Rabbeinu, I mean, I don't mean to say that with any level of chutzpah, like uh, I know what the Torah meant, but what it might mean, what it might mean is that Moshe Rabbeinu understood immediately that this man standing in front of him, who he knew already, he knew him because he married his daughter and he lived with him. But right now, Moshe Rabbeinu says, (coughs) you're with me. You're with me. You understood what happened. You gained faith. You came to be part of what's going on here in, uh, in, in uh, Sinai. And, and therefore, by that, that's what it means. That's what it means. Uh, again, Pasuk, uh, Pasuk, Leparo. Pasuk Tet, is that, no, Pasuk Chet. Pasuk Chet. Vayisapem Moshe lechotno et kol asher asa Hashem leparo velbitzrayim alodot Yisrael. So what's the pshat? He told him, he told Yitro what happened. Why did Yitro come? He says, Vayishma Yitro. Yitro heard of all the highlights. But it's like, you know, you know, uh, it's like, it's like this, if you follow sports, if you follow sports, right, you follow sports, let's say you follow, uh, 
the only thing I can talk about is baseball. I have this uh, handicap. And I can only talk about baseball up to about 1950. <laughs> 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 so let's say, you know, you, you know you, you, there's, a, there's this really significant baseball game and, and somebody won and somebody lost and you know the highlights, right? So somebody comes along who was at the game and can tell you what the guy looked like when he struck out or what the pitcher looked like when he, when he pitched the strikeout. You're interested in it, right? You know what the end of the story is. But the details, the details make sense. You want those details. You want to listen to it. This is true about anything, not just baseball games. So here is Yitro. Yitro comes and says, I know what happened. I know what it means. I know the implications. I'm, I'm with you 100%. So Moshe Rabbeinu said, come in, let me tell you the story as I saw it, as I heard it. Because if you understand, you'll understand even more when I tell you what we went through and how it, how it happened. And that's the, uh, uh, there's one more, one more pasuk. One more pasuk, Vayichad Yisro, Yitro, Vayichad, Vayichad, the word Vayichad, you have to look at the Rashi, Vayichad Yitro, you see the Rashi? It's the it's four narrow lines from the, one, two, three, four, five narrow lines from the bottom. Six narrow lines? One, Rashi says, Vayismach Yitro, Ched, Chedva, happiness, pleasantness, he, he, he was happy. Zeub Shuto, Rashi says, which is uh, Rashi's way of saying one interpretation. But there's another interpretation, which Rashi calls Medrasho. He gets it from the Medrash, probably. Naseberat chidudin chidudin al ibud He was kind of goose pimpled, and he was unhappy about the, the loss of life that the Mitzrim uh, uh, suffered. Hainu dame inche giyura adasarad darei lo armo'a ba'ape. He says, you shouldn't uh, insult the Arameans to their face for 10 generations. They feel it. They feel what, uh, what happens. So, so, so here's Rashi. Rashi says, what, what, what is Yitro? What is Yitro, in spite of the fact that he understood, in spite of the fact that he came to be with Am Yisrael, in spite of the fact that he was a wondrous, a wondrous example of, 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 of a theological master, nevertheless, nevertheless, when he heard what happened to the Egyptians, when he heard the details, he couldn't help himself but feel like a little bit of a knech, like he was unhappy. He says, look, all these people are, 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 but we have that tradition also. About, about the Jews, that, that when people die, it's, a, it's a, a cause for reflection minimally. It's something that, you know, you hear about a tsunami or you hear about, about what's happening in, in China. It's hard not to be somewhat sympathetic, right? Even if if we reserve our, most of our energy, our sympathetic energy for our own group, our own people, still, when you hear the numbers every day, and the, and the, and the, so that's what happened with, 
That's what happened with the Yitro. So the blemish, uh, no, I don't know if it's a blemish, maybe it's a, a schut. The, the, the only uh, place where the Yitro armor uh, weakens a little bit is in this word, Vayichad, which could be understood as being pleasant or unpleasant, unhappy. So this is all an introduction to the presence of Yitro. And then there comes a story. And the story is Vahimi Moharat. I mean, every word, every word can be, I remember, I think I remember. I mean, I heard Rabbi Soloveitchik go through this parsha, right? Every word. He says, every word is a showstopper. You know, like Mi Moharat means there had to be clarity of some sort. It couldn't be whatever we were talking about today. There had to be a new day. And the new day was, the new day was, Moshe Rabbeinu sat down to judge the, the nation. This is one of the reasons that uh, you might say that it was after Matan Torah. Because if judgment meant real judgment, so it meant Torah judgment. But, you know, okay, uh, you know, uh, I, I wouldn't argue with anybody about that. So you have this uh, interesting thing that, that we all know. We, you, go, you go to any kind of bureaucratic uh, station, it's that's, that's reasonable. That's how it's organized. Everybody's there. Everybody's there all day long. Again, Right? He was, he was connected to Moshe Rabbeinu. He knew about Moshe Rabbeinu. He, he understood what was going on. And he says, Everything that Moshe Rabbeinu is doing for the good of the people. So why, why do you have it organized in such a messy way? Everybody's standing, standing with you, and and unable to. Mina bokrada erev, vayar chotein Moshe. Et kol shorosel la'am vayovim adavar azeh shatayosel la'am maduat hayoshev vadecha v'kol la'am nitzav alecha bokrad erev a bokrad erev bokrad erev. That's an impossible amount of time. That's all day and all night. Right? All day and all night. Vayomim Moshe lechot no pasuk tetva 15. Ki yavo elai ha'am ledrosh elokim. The people are coming, and this is, the, you have to understand, these words are very well chosen by Moshe Rabbeinu. These people are coming to me to find out what God wants. Ledrosh elokim. That's what they're coming. That's why they're coming. It doesn't say they're coming to find up sat or to uh, uh, find some way of agreeing about a property disagreement that they have. He says, In other words, coming to my court is a religious experience. Either they don't have such, such important shilas. They don't have that, but they want to ask a shila. It's an event. It's an event. Going to, to a posek. Going to Moshe Rabbeinu, is in Dovah Soreddin, right? Going to Moshe Rabbeinu is tremendous, as experiential. It's not, you should not make this into a, like a, a common 
daily, everyday type of feature of uh, Moshe Rabbeinu's life. Again, That's what I do. I'm the conduit between God and 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 uh, and you and the people. I give them the Torah. I bring them the Torah. It's like his name. It's like another name that's not mentioned in Rashi in the beginning. Rashi talks about Yeter and Yitro and etc. But here he could call him also Chotein Moshe. Lo Tova Davar Shatahosei. He says the Kalachim Ponim right. You know Moshe Rabbeinu. He was smart. He knew. He talked to God. He brought God's word. But Yitro, Yitro looks at him and says Lo Tov. Lo Tov is is like. It's like the opposite of, of something well created. Right? Because everything in creation, right, tov. Everything was tov, or tov ma'od. But, but uh, here, lo tov, he says. Lo tov, that means very serious mistake. It's not like you made a mistake and it's going to take you longer to finish. But you made a very serious mistake. What was the serious mistake? Navolti you're gonna, you're gonna just fade away. You're not gonna be able to physically keep it up. Yitro says, "Listen to me, to what I say. I will give you advice. and God will be with you. And you can." Uh, you can present this idea to heaven, vizarta at hem et achukim et atorot, vodata lahem et aderech yelchuba et amaseh sheyasun. So here's Yitro. He says, "Don't worry. You'll be able to give them the Torah. You'll be able to tell them what the halacha is. You'll be able to just listen to me. Listen to what I have to say." So ki pasuk tezayin. No, I'm sorry. Uh, the, um, I missed the few. What are the words that use for prophecy? You will use your special qualities, Moshe Rabbein. This is Yitro talking. Mikol ha'am anshei chayil yirei elokim anshei emet sonei batza. You just—I mean—all of this, of course, is a pasuk in the Torah. You will do what the Torah wants you to do. You will appoint people who are worthy. V'samta lehem sarei alafim sarei meyot sarei emet sonei batza. V'samta lesarei alafim sorry sarei meyot sarei chamishim v'sarei asarot pasukav bet. You'll be able to do it. You'll be able to function. You won't fall away if you have assistance helping you. And you'll appoint them. Right? Im gimel with Sivchalokim, we are called to Amod, 
וגם כל העם הזה על מקומו יבוא בשלום. Everything will be just wonderful. So the thing that bothered me about this story, always bothered me, and I think I've mentioned it in the past, is that this does not seem to be uh, what we would call an act of brilliance on the part of Yitro. I mean, everybody understands that if you open up a, if you're selling lemonade and you haven't got, you can't sell it fast enough for the people who want the lemonade, so you get another table with more lemonade and you get your little brother to sell, also sell lemonade. I mean, this is not exactly, this is not exactly rocket science. So what was it that prevented Moshe from doing this on his own? on the one hand, and also what was it that was such a big deal? I mean, if Moshe Rabbeinu wants to do it on his own, he'll do it on his own. I mean, like, like what, what's the nekudah nifla'ah here, as the, as the Rambam called it? What is it we're supposed to understand from this story about Yitro and Moshe Rabbeinu? So I think it's rather obvious and that there's a conversation that's taking place between Yitro and Moshe Rabbeinu. Yitro says, what are you doing? You can't do this. You're going to fall apart, you'll die, and it'll be the end. Everything will come to an end. Moshe Rabbeinu says, look, I, I, I have no choice. All the people want to hear God's solution to their problem. And the only way they can hear God's solution to their problem is if they come to me and I, and I speak to God and I get the solution. I mean, they all know that. They all know that Moshe Rabbeinu's psak is God's will. And that's what they want. They want that Moshe Rabbeinu's psak is God's will. So Yitro said, look, if you keep doing this, you keep answering all the shilas, if you keep on saying that only you know the answer to the question, you'll die. And the entire experiment of, of Am Yisrael and the Torah will be gone. will be finished. And since HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants this experiment to go on and to be real, since God wants it to go on and to be real, there must be another way. There must be a way to appoint associates who are able, who are able to, uh, who are able to perform as you perform, who are able to give the people God's <coughs> response to the Shiloh. And you know, you should know this. The Gemara, the Gemara says, the Gemara Nabodizor, that we're learning, sort of. The Gemara Nabodizor says that the Sanhedrin Agdola, right, the highest court in the land, uh, had, can only function, could only function if it was in the Lishkat Hagazit. Lishkat Hagazit. Uh, why Lishkat Gazit? Because Lishkat Gazit is close to the Shekhinah. It's close to the Shekhinah. That's what the Gemara says. And therefore, for example, capital cases 
could only be solved in the Sanhedrin Agdola. Now it happens that capital cases could also be solved, brought to uh, the highest court in the Shevet, in the tribe, in the tribal area, right? Reuven, Shimon, Levi, Yehuda, right? They could also be brought to, the, to them, but only when the Sanhedrin Agdola is sitting in the Lishkata Gazit. When the Sanhedrin Agdola was exiled from the Lishkata Gazit, there were no capital cases that were done in the Beit HaMikdash in Lishkata Gazit, and no capital cases were done in the highest uh, courts in the, various, in the various tribes. Why is that? Why is that? So the Gemara says, because the Gemara says uh, that uh, it, you had to have closeness to the Shekhinah. You had to be close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu to judge those cases. Closer. What does that mean? Why do you have to be close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu? Because, look, if Reuven, two witnesses come and say Reuven killed Shimon, so the Torah says, you got it. Two witnesses, that's, uh, what do you call that? A flush, a full, full house, or something like that. That's it. There's nothing better than two witnesses. But you know, two witnesses don't necessarily have to tell the truth. And even if they tell the truth, or they think they're telling the truth, they may be mistaken. It was you never can get to a point where mathematically or geographically you get to a hundred percent knowledge about what happened yesterday. And if, uh, you have only to read historians of the modern era today. We call them newspapers, right? You want to read a newspaper about what happened yesterday? Well, this newspaper says this, and that newspaper says that, and the newspaper says something else. That's yesterday. Yesterday to today. And now, in a, 50 years, when some doctoral student in the University of Beersheba is going to write a doctoral dissertation about yesterday, so he's going to read the newspapers. And the newspapers will tell him different things about yesterday. And then he'll have to say, well, you know, I think this newspaper is better than that newspaper, and this idea is better than that idea. Like, you sort of never know. You never know. It's a, it's a, it's a real problem. So Moshe Rabbeinu said to Yitro, Moshe Rabbeinu said, I want the, the Jews deserve the truth. They deserve the truth. The truth is available to me, but not available to anybody else. Yitro said, you better make it available to, everybody, to others as well. You better establish judges who are able to decide what God wants because only in that way will the Jewish people continue to exist. That's what, that's what Yitro's argument was. And that argument was accepted by, by, by uh, uh, Moshe Rabbeinu, which means that the argument was accepted by heaven. The argument was accepted by heaven, which means which means that if you wanted to know, you want to say, like, what is it that, how come Judaism works? How come it keeps going? How come we're all here, Jews? Like, you know, what is the force that keeps us together? So you could say, you could say it's the psak 
that seems to exist for every generation. Right? Determination. There are determinations made that we all can accept. Right? Now, do I know exactly how it happened that Matan Torah said things about Hilchot Shabbat, that, about electricity? Matan Torah, there probably wasn't too much electricity around. Probably not. But, but I have confidence. I have confidence that the post can tell me that I shouldn't uh, turn the lights on and off on Shabbos. So I don't turn the lights on and off on Shabbos. Because I assume, uh, as far as I can, as far as I am able, that I've gotten the correct idea. That somehow that idea has, and that's because of Yitro. That's because of Yitro. So if I would say, Moshe Rabbeinu, he did Matan Torah. He did it. But who ensured that the Torah would continue to live and breathe and, and be the, the, the great influence on the Jewish people that it has been? So one could argue that that was Yitro. Yitro did it. Uh, so there's something about Yitro. There's something else about Yitro that I'd like to uh, point to. And that is uh, on, the, on the second part of the, the page. Now, interestingly enough, Yitro, for all his understanding and all his, uh, you see at the top, is there psukim from Bamidbar. Vayomer Moshe lechova ben Ru'el. You know, Rashi says, Chova hu Yitro. Hu Yitro. Lechova ben Ru'el hamidyani chotein Moshe nachamu. There was some kind of a question. Obviously, he came to, to the camp of Israel. He was part. He brought his daughter. He brought the, her, her sons. So, so you would think it would be obvious that, that Yitro was going with them wherever they were going to. But from the Pasuk, it's clear that this was in contention. And so Moshe Rabbeinu said to Yitro, he says, Nosim we're, we're, we're going to travel to the place that God told us to go to, Beitavnulach. He says, come with us, Beitavnulach, and we'll, we'll do good for you. Ki Hashem diber al Yisrael. Ki Hashem diber so we'll all get good, something good, we'll go to Eretz Yisrael, we'll get good stuff, and you'll also get you know, that's what Rashi, that's what the Moshe Rabbeinu says to Yitro. Vayomer elav, lo elech, kim el atziv el moladeti elech. No. That's sort of like a surprise. Here's, here's Yitro, the great understander, the person who kept the Torah going, the person who created Am Yisrael. But you could, you could, you could go on, on and on about, about Yitro. He said, he said, vayomer elav, lo elech. I'm going home. Right, those are words that we know. But when it came to Avram Avinu, he left Artsi Umoladati. That was part of being Jewish. And here's Yitro who went through Giyur and they had these ideas and understood the theology. And he says, I'm still stuck in Midian. Right? I haven't left, I haven't left Midian yet. Uh, 
Vayita lanu la'inayim I have no idea what that means, Rashi Ki alken yadata chanotenu ba'midbar You see the Rashi? Pasuk lamid aleph in the Rashi Ki na'elecha la'asot zot Ala asher yadata chanotenu ba'midbar Vara'ita nisimu v'orot shenasu lanu He says, after all, you know about us That's what Rashi says you know about us, we went here and we went there and we, we and, and, so you know that, you know all of that. So why not come with us? I mean, it's a, Ramosh Rabbeinu says, to, he says we, we've discussed this at length, we've had the theological discussions late into the night, why are you leaving? You're with us, right? Mehar Hashem Derech Sloshet Yamim Varom Brit Hashem Nosevet Lehem Derech Sloshet Yamim Matur Lehem Menucha V'anan Hashem Alehem Yomam Benasam Benasam Min HaMachane Okay, let's look at the last at the last source and we're not going to be able to finish everything but we'll get to the last the Pasuk in Shoftim Shoftim, this is the second book of the Vian Yoshua Shoftim Perik Aleph Pasuk Ted Zion of Nekeni Chotein Moshe. They also Keni was also had something to do with with Yitro. Alu Meir Hatmarim. They came up from the from Yericho, which is called Iratmarim. There are a lot of Tmarim trees growing there. Et Bnei Yehuda, Midbar Yehuda. We'll see from Rashi what, what this all means. And the people, Kani, the Bnei Kani, they left. So what does Rashi say? Irat Marim. Irat Marim, Rashi. He Yericho. Shenitan lahem dushnan shal Yericho. Dushnan shal Yericho means a certain area around Yericho. It's very, uh, very good, very, very good land, very uh, uh, able to use the land properly. In other words, there was given to them, it was given to the Yitroites, the family of Yitro, was given Dushna Shel Yericho. And they would keep it, they would use it and get, get uh, profit from it. Now how long did it take the Jews to build the Beit HaMikdash after they came to Eretz Kena'an? How long did it take it? Four, it took them 440 years. 440 years they were, uh, you know, until uh, there was the, the whole period of the Shoftim. Then Shaul Amelech, David Amelech, Shlomo Amelech, right? All of that period of time passed until they could build the, the Beit HaMikdash. So we're saying that the children of Yitro were living in Dushno Shel Yericho for the 440 years. So when they built the Beit HaMikdash, they built the Beit HaMikdash on a piece of land. That piece of land was partially in the land given to the tribe of Yehuda, that's Yerushalayim, right, half of Yerushalayim, and partially in the land given to Binyamin, which is like a little blurb on top of Yehuda, right? Yehuda is very big, 
Binyamin is very small. Here's Yerushalayim. I don't know if I'm, um, I'm getting it right. Here's Yerushalayim. See, below Yerushalayim, below Yerushalayim is Yehuda. Above Yerushalayim is Binyamin. The Beit HaMikdash was built on a, on a platform partially in Yehuda, mostly in Yehuda, and partially in Binyamin. So that platform on which the Beit HaMikdash was built became the property of Bnei Yisrael. All the tribes owned that piece. So that means that Yehuda was now missing. He gave up. He gave up land for the Beit HaMikdash. So he's going to be compensated. He, Yehuda, is going to be compensated with Dushnan Shel Yericho. It was, it was held in escrow. Can you hold land in escrow? I guess you can. It was held in escrow. 440 years. So for 440 years, Yitro, Yitro's family lived on that plot of land and, and uh, uh, used it. And used it, right? So then he says, Rashi says, is 440 years and afterwards after the 440 years the ones amongst them in the family of Yitro who were scholars went to study with Atniel ben Kenaz who, is, who we know as a shofet, as a shofet but he's had another name, Yavitz, Bemidbar Yehuda, Asher Benegev Arad Lilmot Torah. So now we can understand the discussion with, uh, with in Bamidbar, Barak Yud, the discussion with Yitro. Yitro came and said, Yitro came and said to Moshe Rabbeinu, I can't understand, he says, I'm with you. But I understand that to be really with you, you have to have an inheritance in Eretz Canaan. You have to have part of the land. That's the deal. Eretz Canaan is not a monetary prize for the people who left Mitzrayim. It's not like you left Mitzrayim, okay, we'll give you a coupon to go to, uh, to a fancy uh, shopping center. No, no, no. The way you are the way you are to be a nation is that you will be part owners. You'll be part owners of Eretz Kenan. But Yitro, that was only true for those who left Mitzrayim. Yitro didn't leave Mitzrayim. So he didn't get the benefit. He didn't get the benefit of, of being part of the land. He couldn't get an inheritance in the land. So Moshe Rabbeinu said to him, okay, we can't give you the inheritance, but we'll give you Dushna Shal Yericho. There's one place in Eretz Yisrael, there's one place in Eretz Yisrael where you can be part of, for at least for 440 years. Okay, after the 440 years, Rashi says, they all went to learn Torah. They went to learn Torah and with, with Atniel ben Kenaz and Kiat Sefer and, and, uh, and uh, uh, then uh, that Atniel ben Kenaz was also known as Yavetz. Right, was also known as Yavetz, and and he was the great Torah teacher of his of his day. So you say, 
You can't help saying, so there you are, Yitro. You're, you're the Torah giver in a manner of speaking, as we said before, and your children will become entranced by the idea of studying Torah after 440 years of being part of Am Yisrael in the land of Canaan, or the land of Eretz Yisrael. And uh, what did Yitro do? We don't know. But it sounds like he could not bear the fact that he would be uh, declassified. He wouldn't be a first-class member of the Jewish people, but he would have to suffer uh, the dignity of not being part of the land, not having a section of the land. Uh, which leaves us to explain, of course, why it was so important to be part of the land of Israel and why Kodesh Baruch told Avram Avinu that his children, that his children would definitely have the land. And Avram Avinu didn't believe, Avram Avinu didn't believe about that. He believed, or see, he didn't argue that there would be many progeny in, uh, in Am Yisrael, there'd be children galore. But he could not understand that uh, he had doubts about the land. How could we get the land? Is it, what happens if my children sin and you drive them out of the land? So that's where we also spoke about, about that. That's when Akkadish Baruch said to, to Avram Avinu uh, that if you just say the parasha of, of Mitzvot Atlut Ba'aretz, you with recounted as as tshuva, as doing tshuva. Okay, so that's Yitro. Have a good shabbat.